Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mark Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Grass withers, flower fades, word of our God stands forever. Quick prayer. Father, give us ears to hear you this morning. We want to sit at your feet and hear your word to us. And we know that this cannot happen without your Holy Spirit moving in our hearts. So move in this place this morning. We ask it. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Find ourselves this morning at this short little story, four verses here at the end of chapter 10. This story is unique to the Gospel of Luke. You won't find it anywhere else. And it's even though it's only four verses in the Gospel of Luke in one Gospel, you're probably, if you've been at church at all, You've heard the story of the contrast between Mary and Martha or Martha and Mary. And often it's taken up, the application is made between we're supposed to discover are we a Martha type or are we a Mary type? Which, which type do you tend to be? And then you would go along with, um, you know, if you tend to be a Martha who's always about doing things and never worshiping, then you should figure out how to do less of that and worship more. If you're a Mary type whose heads are always in the clouds and you're all contemplative, how do you get to work? And, you know, there's some value, I suppose, in understanding yourself and where you, where you kind of default to. Um, and so if you want to go there with that, I suppose there is some benefit to trying to understand how you naturally are bent because normally the person who has the Martha spirit who's over here doing all the work is kind of scowling to the person who's just, you know, all spiritual and whatever. And usually the person who's all spiritual is kind of looking at disdain over at the Martha type who's doing all the work, never takes any time to, to get with Jesus. You know, I, that's fine, but I don't think it's the main point. I don't think this is the main point that Luke is trying to make by including this under the, Luke is including this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I don't think that's the main point that he's trying to make. Luke puts this at this specific spot in our gospel. Luke is not tied to chronology. And, and so he jumps around a little bit. He kind of gathers thematically what he wants to say. You know, he, he said to Theophilus at the beginning of this letter that he's writing an orderly account of these things so that Theophilus might have a, a certain, a sure foundation for what he's heard about Jesus. And so Luke gathers this story and, and puts it here. And the reason why I think he's put it here, Jesus enters this village of where Martha and Mary live. And we know from John, Luke doesn't say the name of this village, but we know from John chapter 11 that that's Bethany, which is only a couple of miles out, not Bethany, Missouri. It's uh, Bethany over, it's just a couple miles outside of Jerusalem is where Martha and Mary live. And so he's been all up in Galilee, and, and this is a story that he's probably just kind of brought in to make a point. 
Luke is trying to make a point. We are, we are headed into a very interesting section, really through the rest of the Gospel of Luke. All along, we've had all of these incredible miracles, right? All of these healings, the casting out of demons, um, feeding of the multitudes with a little bit of food, calming of storms, all of these raising of the dead. We've had incredible miracles happen. And just quickly by looking through there, I, I found 14, really, 14 independent miracles in the first 10 chapters of the Gospel of Luke. Well, we've got, we're going to chapter 25, and the rest of these 14 chapters, there's only four more miracles to go. And each one of these miracles that Jesus performs, it isn't like the, the calming of the storm where it's, you know, ye of little faith, and then they all marvel at who is this guy. Every miracle that's now coming up and the four that are left, Jesus tells the point he's trying to make. It's usually something to do with healing on the Sabbath, and he, he gives a teaching along with his miracle. So we're heading into this specific um, direction in the ministry of Jesus that is just full of his teaching. So Luke throws this in here as almost an introduction to get ready, here comes a bunch of the teachings of Jesus. And what are you going to be doing when Jesus begins to teach? What are you going to be doing when Jesus begins to teach? What is the point that Luke is trying to get across? It seems to be a lesson on priorities. When Jesus is going to speak, where are you going to be found? When, when the Word of God is coming out, when the Word of God is being shared, when the Word of God is speaking, where are you going to be? There is this clear contrast and this commendation of Mary because she's chosen the better thing. That when the Word of God is going to go out, Mary is commended because where is she? When the Word of God is speaking, her priority is to make sure she is there to hear the Word of God. So the question that hopefully will ring out in our hearts this morning, bring conviction to us, and, and hopefully spur us on and encourage us, is the question of what pursuit has the priority in our lives? What pursuit has the priority in your life. What's the word priority mean? Everybody knows what priority is. What, what does it mean? Well, it's, it's actually real simple, right? I mean, the word priority has the word prior in it. So if you have a priority, your priority is the thing you do prior to everything else that you do. So if you do this one activity always prior to everything else, it's a priority. I get up in the morning and the first thing I do, I put water in the coffee pot and put the, the, the grains in and the grains, the grounds in and I make coffee because I do it prior to everything. I've got a priority. If I want some caffeine, I want coffee. We all know what priority is. Sometimes when we have a dinner here, um, I'll get harassed a little bit because my first stop is the dessert table. Everyone's going through the line, you know, you get your meat and potatoes and your beverages, and then you're supposed to go eat it, and then you're supposed to go back and get dessert. I want dessert first. I, I, the, the, if I go to walk to the dessert table, if there's a fruit pie or a nice cake sitting there, I'm going to have it prior to everything else that I'm going to eat. Why? That's my priority. I don't, I don't want to get to the end of the meal. How many times do you sit at a restaurant and you eat, and they come, waiter comes, wait, waiter, waitress comes back, who wants dessert? Did you save any room? And we all say, no, 
Most of the time, it's just because I don't want to spend the money on dessert. But sometimes, <laughs> it's like a cheap excuse. Oh, I'm full. I don't want to spend buy your expensive dessert. Um, but, but, you know, we have the, the potluck. You could go to the dessert table. Well, I'm too full. Um, and so that, that's often, is that the real truth that they didn't save room? I, I didn't make dessert my priority. Is that, is that the truth? I mean, did you not just save room? Well, the reality is you didn't, you, you failed to prioritize correctly, in my subjective opinion, but you failed to prioritize the right thing, dessert. Um, but that's not really true. That, that you, it wasn't that you were unable to prioritize. You just prioritized something else. Maybe you realized it's, it seems rude to go to the dessert table first, and I'm not going to be rude like that Darren guy. I'm going to be proper and go through the line. And so you've prioritized the way uh, common decor, you, you've prioritized the way you appear to other people to not seem rude like Darren, and so you've gone through the proper channel, and your priority was something else. So therefore, that's why you didn't get and didn't have the room for your dessert. The failure to have room isn't a failure to prioritize, The problem is that you're very good at prioritizing and dessert did not rank high enough on the table. So my point of bringing up that whole food illustration, it wasn't about meatloaf though, you're welcome, uh, is this, you aren't bad at prioritizing. You're not bad at prioritizing. You're very good at prioritizing. If things don't get done in your life, if, if, if there are good things you know you should do and you don't get them done, it isn't because you're bad at prioritizing. It's because you're too good at prioritizing. And the things that you care about most are the things that you get done. So it, picture this. The teenager has got oh, all of his duties. He's got homework. He's got a room to clean. He's got an Xbox to play. He's got a, a hamster he's supposed to take care of. And he's got his chores in his room. Did I mention that? Homework, an Xbox, a room to keep clean, a hamster to take care of. And the parent walks in with this letter from the school. And they're failing their grades. Their room is a mess. The hamster is dead. And, and the, the Xbox game stats are climbing. They're, they're killing it on Xbox Live. They're, their rankings in their Xbox game are phenomenal. And the kid, we, we go to the school, he's got bad grades. What the kid needs is a lesson on how to prioritize, right? He just, he just doesn't have the right things. And he doesn't, he doesn't know how to prioritize. He really cares about these things, but he just doesn't prioritize. No, the kid prioritizes perfectly. The reason why the hamster's dead and the room is messy and the grades are failing is because the kid is a rock star at prioritizing and what he wants more than anything is to climb the ranks on Xbox. He wants to serve himself. That is not a sufficient excuse. The problem is that the, the individual is perfect at prioritizing. Fellas, Valentine's Day is coming up. Now, some I guess there's some issue of whether we get spouse's Valentine's Day present or not. I mean, maybe if it's a different generation, I'm going to say to you, get something, guys, for, for your spouse, for your wife, for your significant other, for Valentine's Day. You have been warned. And ladies, if your man... Now, this is going to cause... I'm going to get some heat in here. If your man fails to get you something for Valentine's Day and they use that, maybe they say, I didn't want to get you anything. But if they use as an excuse, I just had trouble prioritizing my time. Don't buy it. The reason why they forgot to get you anything is because they're too good at prioritizing and 
you're too far down on the list. I mean, so, fellas, it's Wednesday. You got two days left. Get after it. But that's ridiculous. We are wonderful at prioritizing. The problem is the priorities become all these things they shouldn't be. You're not bad at prioritizing. You're great at it. You're great at it. And it is not the things we often should be putting, should have as priorities. So the admonition from our text this morning, where are we to place our priorities? Jesus says to Martha in verse 42 about Mary, 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. What's the, what's the one thing? And the short answer is just is sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to what he has to say. Jesus is saying, anxious, distracted, all kinds of priorities. Martha's flying around with all of these things. And he says, one thing really matters. And it's Martha, Mary has chosen the better portion. She has chosen the good thing. The one thing that is necessary, which is to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear what he has to say. David Gooding says this in his commentary. It says, life is at best, at best, <laughs> life is at best short. We cannot do everything. There is not enough time. We cannot do everything. There is not enough time. You realize that, right? I mean, we're not going to get everything done you want to do. You've got to, you are prioritizing. No matter what, you are prioritizing. We cannot do everything. There is not enough time. Like Mary, therefore, we shall have to choose and choose very deliberately. Life's affairs will not automatically sort themselves into a true order of priorities if we do not consciously insist on making sitting at the Lord's feet and listening to His Word our number one necessity, a thousand and one other things and duties, all claiming to be prior necessities, will tyrannize our time and energies and rob us of the good part in life. If we do not consciously, again, if we do not consciously insist on making sitting at the Lord's feet and listening to His Word our number one necessity, a thousand and one other things and duties, all claiming to be prior necessities, will tyrannize our time and energies and rob us of the good part in life. What are the things that matter to you? What are the things that matter to you? And it's a really easy thing to figure out. What are the things you get done? If all you get done is TV watching, that's your priority. Yourself, your, your leisure, your entertainment. What are the things that matter to you? They are the things that you get done. The question is, are your priorities, are the things you get done, are they worthwhile priorities? What is worthwhile? What is truly necessary? Attending the words of Jesus. Mary is commended because when the words of the Savior are being spoken, she is listening. Why do we say that? Why do we say that sitting at the Jesus, Jesus' feet and listening to his word is a necessity, is a priority? Well, it's the clear implication from this text, right? Mary and Martha, here they are. Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Mary has stopped her activity. She probably, I mean, it's kind of unfair to say that Mary was a bum. Martha's upset because Mary has left 
Mary was probably helping Martha make arrangements, and then when Jesus showed up, she leaves the preparations they've made and goes to hear the words from Jesus. But So she has left and stopped her activity and placed herself at the feet of Christ, giving her full attention to him. But it's also the witness from other places in Scripture. Go back, if you've got your Bible out still, to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 4 both discuss this temptation of Jesus. And Jesus says something very interesting, the Son of God, about the importance of the Word of God. This is in his temptation in Luke chapter 4. It's page 1021 of your pew Bible. Luke chapter 4, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, verse 2, for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. He's fasting. And when, these, and when they were ended, well, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, verse 4, same as Matthew 4, 4, Luke 4, 4. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Man shall not live by bread alone. And it's a quote out of Deuteronomy. I'm going to quickly flip over to Matthew 4, 4. Man does not live by bread alone. He finishes it more in Matthew 4, 4. He answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but... By every, that's page 961, Matthew 4, 4. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And he's quoting that specifically from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 8. He's quoting the word of God in regard to the word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Back in your Old Testament, way back. Numbers, Deuteronomy Chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. This is on page 180 of your pew Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. The whole commandment that I command to you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let, your, and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make, known to you, make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Why is it important to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear what he's saying? Man does not live by bread alone. He lives by the word alone. Of the Lord, everything that come, man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Go back into your New Testament. Go to the Gospel of John, a, a teaching here in John chapter six, a fabulous passage of Scripture worth looking at over and over and over again. But Jesus is the one who has the words of eternal life. Why do we listen? Why is it of utmost importance that, importance that we sit? And listen to the words of Jesus. He is the one who has the words of life. John chapter 6 is on page 1060, 1060 of your uh, pew Bible. John chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and life. And then later on down and 69, 668, Peter's going to be asked if he wants to go away. Verse 66, after this, many of his disciples turned back, no longer walked with them. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? 
Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Last place to flip to, Psalm 19. Right in the middle of your Bible. Psalm 19 is found on page 538 of your pew Bible, if you want to look at it with me. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11, this beautiful portion of Scripture talking about the Word of God. What is the Word of God like? What is the importance of the Word? How important? When I say one thing is necessary, when Jesus is commending Mary, you've done the one thing that's necessary. You sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to His Word. Is that verifiable? Why is this word? How important really is this word? Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord. These are all things that God has spoken. The law, the testimony, the precepts. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment, that which He has spoken. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Jesus' words themselves are the words of life. If in these words great reward is found, how can we not prioritize hearing them? If this is where life is found, if if contained in them is the very words of life, how can we fail to prioritize hearing the words of Jesus? If you do not have ears for the gospel, you will not know him by any other means than hearing his word. You cannot know God apart from what he has said. God has revealed himself through what he has spoken as much as any of the rest of us. The only way I would ever get to know you truly is if you would tell me about yourself. I can observe you. I can make stereotypical judgments about you. But unless you are to speak and reveal yourself, I would never know you. How are we to know God unless we listen to what he is speaking? With the urgent reality of knowing God and being known by Him, being welcomed into His family on the one side, and the other reality of being cast off forever into His wrath, into eternal darkness, the wrath that sinners deserve apart from the mercy found in Christ, how can we not value the hearing of these words? These are the contrasts. Knowing Him, hearing the Gospel, rejoicing in what Christ has done, Trusting in Him because you've heard the message of the Gospel. Hearing comes, or faith comes by hearing the Word of Christ, Romans 10 tells us. If that's what comes from hearing, how can we not prioritize to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear what He has to say? This is the desperate state we are in. To be like Mary. To take this example and to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear what he has to say. So, practically, how do we put this how do we put this into action? How do we put this into action? How do we put ourselves in a position to hear them? Welcome to church. Here we are. This is one way we prioritize hearing the word of God. Do you realize that in the past 18 months or so that I've been here We've read through the book of Romans twice. We've read through the book of Zephaniah. We've read through the book of Jonah. 
We've read all the way through Psalm 119. We've read Psalm 103 many times. We've read through Luke chapters 1 through 10. We have read the book of Ephesians now. We have read, this is just from showing up and gathering together to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. Just by being here, giving attention to the word of Christ. This is one great way to put ourselves in the position to hear the word of God. Moreover, if you've joined Bible study, we have gone through the Gospel of Mark. Read through the whole Gospel of Mark. Read through the book of Ephesians again deeper. We've read through the book of Acts. By showing up with other Christians and just gathering to read the Word and hear the words of the Lord. How do you sit at the feet of Jesus? A Bible reading plan. I mean, I'm just going to be so practical. (laughs) Get through your Bible. Open this thing up and read the words of the Lord. This is not just some simple matter. This is hearing the words of Christ, hearing the words of life, and hearing the words of death. Listening at other times, memorizing small and large portions of scriptures. This is how we practically sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. Making Christ's words a priority means saying no to a thousand other things. Like David Gooding says, if you fail to prioritize hearing the words of Christ, there are a thousand and one other things willing to say, I'm a need, I'm a need, pay attention to me. Shut off the TV. Maybe say no to some things that conflict with gathering with the corporate body. Saying no to some things and showing up to hear the word of Christ. So those are some things, but you're all sitting here this morning. So we can't be like, oh, that's right, I'm here, I'm I'm paying attention. When you're really here, when you do open your Bible, are you really desiring to hear? Now, we have this, it's an interesting thing in Christianity that the Pharisees knew the law, they heard it. They knew the teachings of the Bible, they knew it, and they had no idea. They did not hear it. They heard it, and they didn't hear it. They read it, and they didn't read it. They saw it, Capernaum, uh, all these cities. They saw Jesus, and they never saw him. You can sit in this room this morning. You can hear the word of God as sound goes, bounces off the molecules and comes into your ear holes, and you bounces your eardrums, and you hear the words, what Darren is saying. You can hear and never hear. You can hear the words of Christ and never really hear them. This is not about the science of how the eardrum works for you to hear. This is about hearing and listening with faith. As you've gathered here, are you listening? Are we listening? This is the words of life coming to us. Are we listening? If you are someone who attends regularly, and I just listed off all the Bible that you've read, it doesn't get us off the hook. Are you truly listening or are we going through the motions? When you sit down with your Bible, are you checking off the list? Okay, I got this portion done for this day. Or are you saying, God, in this word here, more than anything, I need to hear you. I don't want to check off some list. I want to hear the words of life. I want to sit at the feet of my Savior and not just read what he says, not just hear what he says, but really hear here. We live in a world full of distractions, and we probably always have. Opportunities to do a thousand things that you could do, they're they're all clamoring for your time. And if we don't have 
this, if we don't see the importance like Mary did, it will never become a priority that we invest in. Seeing, seeing what comes in the hearing of the gospel. No one's scoring a perfect 10 in this area. And that's why it's so important to listen. These words that you are desperately need to hear, they're also the words you desperately long to hear, even if you don't know it. Even if you don't know it. It's like taking someone to and, and forcing them to make dessert a priority. You're not going to regret it. <laughs> you know, it, it's, the, it's the words you've needed. You need to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his words. You need to do it. But let me tell you, the reason why you need to do it is because when you're there, they're the words of life. They're the words of life. It's like tricking you into eating what you most need. It's like tricking you to drink water when you're dying of thirst. It's not a real trick. Once you drink, that's good stuff. That's the word of life. That's what I want. This is far more serious than tricking you to drink water or go get dessert. This matters because Christ has the ultimate good news for you. His promises are sweeter than anything else in this life for you. His peace is more steadying than any other peace you can find in this world. His joy is more long-lasting than any other joy you can find in this world. Why do we want to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear His words of life? His peace, His joy is deeper and longer and more satisfying than any other words you can hear. Do I want people, do I want us here in this room this morning to cling to the words of Jesus so that our building would get more full? I need to hear the words of Jesus. I guess I better show up at church. Do I desire that we would sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his teaching so we can hang our hats on? We put 15, 20, 30, 45, we had 100 people through a Bible reading plan this year. Good job, us. Is that what we are about? Do I want you to tune your ear into the words so we can go have a Bible trivia night? Everybody wins Bible trivia. No. Where else will you hear the good news that you desperately long for? When the diagnoses come, when the trouble comes, when the children stray, when sickness drives you to the hospital, when your own mortality crashes against you, where will you turn if you haven't heard the words of life? That's what we're talking about. Hearing the words of life. Where else do you hear the news of life that is honest about the pitiful position we find ourselves as sinners in, at enmity, at war with God, and the good news of what a Savior has done to reconcile us, to adopt us into His family, and to secure us as His own children for all eternity? Where else will you hear news like that? That's why sitting at His feet and listening matters that we would hear the words of life. If we would just hear the first few notes of this symphony, we return to it again and again to listen. Listen, hear the words of Christ because he alone has the words of life that we are desperate to hear. Turn off the distractions. Open up your Bible. Put yourself in gospel conversations Listen to the word of the Lord and rejoice because we don't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. One thing is necessary. One thing is to be desired. One thing 
will bring you true and lasting joy and the peace that you are searching for. It is the word of your Savior, the proclamation of his good news and his gospel to you. Listen, hear, trust, believe, and rejoice. Let's pray. Father, give us ears to hear in this room this morning. We don't need better list makers. God, I don't need to be better at making a list. God, help me see the supreme value of the words of life from my Savior's mouth and every other priority fades away. That I would know you and the power of your resurrection, share your suffering, even to the point of death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. God, that we would know you Count everything else as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, our Lord. Do this work in our hearts, God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.